stand. Everybody say stand. Week one, we talked about stand out in Daniel 1. We, we learned we need to make God the priority, right, if we're going to stand. And make decisions ahead of time if we're going to stand. If we find ourselves in a spot and we didn't decide before, ahead of time what we were going to do in that situation, we may fall. We may crumble. But God says, decide beforehand. Right? Daniel resolved not to defile himself. We need to resolve things in our life, situations, even young people. When you get together with the opposite sex, you have to resolve what's going to happen in those moments. Because if you don't, then you will crumble and fall to temptation, right? Week two, stand firm. I say firm. Firm. Know what you're standing for, right? Know your word. Stick to your stand. You just say, you know, remember uh, Daniel came in to King Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, are you sure you don't want to bow down? He's like, no, no, I'm sticking to my stand. And remember that Jesus stands with you, right? Doesn't he? He's right there in the middle of the fire, even through time and space. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he was there. Amen? And then you can sing, I'm still standing. Everybody remember that? I'm not a good singer, but whatever. But today we're looking at Daniel 4, if you want to open up your Bible, and uh, we're going to, let's, let's, let's practice what we preach today, let's stand, and let's look at this uh, verse together, Daniel 4, 27, and then later on we're going to have a chance to read from this, we're encouraging everybody, bring your Bible, sometimes we go a little fast, so I apologize, but at least if you keep with Daniel 4, I'm going to hop around to a couple other spots. Keep it in Daniel 4. You'll be able to look through here. But here's what it says. King Nebuchadnezzar, please, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, there you go. Please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. This is Daniel speaking. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor, perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Grab someone's hand there. Lord, we pray today that you would speak to us through this message, through your word. Lord, that we would stand. We'd stand out. We'd stand firm. And Lord, today we would stand up. In Jesus' name, and the church said, you can be seated. Hey, we've got a lot of different people in the room today, don't we? we got some quiet people, some loud people, some funny people. Isn't that what makes God's church so great? Is that we're all different. We all look a little different. If we all looked the same, it would be kind of boring. If we all talked the same, it would be pretty boring. If we didn't have a southern accent in the house, we would be really boring. Aren't you glad to be in Florida? Right? Amen. That's what I love. I love the accent. But we're all different. And you know that some of us are naturally non-confrontational. Any non-confrontational people in the house? Hey, you actually put your hand up. You're a little bit confrontational, maybe. Get out there. 
Some of you didn't, some of you that are non-confrontational didn't even want to raise your hand because you're like, that could be controversial. (laughs) But some of us are more passive. That's okay. God made you non-confrontational. Now, anybody have a problem or maybe more confrontational than others? You got to raise two hands up. Because sometimes that might happen. They might say, all right, (laughs) turn your back and raise your hands. (laughs) But we're all a little bit different. And then some of us, maybe we're just waiting for the pastor to say something so we can send off an email to him, right? (laughs) I remember a few years ago, we went went long in worship. I loved it. Someone didn't love it. I got an email. That went to the trash bin. (laughs) So that's where they go when you send them over. Landing at idontgiverip.com. Just send it. Email it over to there. If you're gonna if you're gonna talk about us worshiping too long, send it to that email address. And the response will be non-existent. Don't worry, it was nobody in the room. They're watching online. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But there are two confrontational extremes, isn't there? The first one, and and the reason why I'm talking about confrontation today is you're going to find out, um, if you read Daniel 4 before you came in today, Daniel was supposed to go and um, tell Nebuchadnezzar about his dream, and then that was it. But then Daniel, as we heard, said, stop sinning. That's kind of confrontational, isn't it? So we're going to we're going to get into that a little bit today. So today is not the big rah 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 sermon. This is this is getting into the into the weeds a little bit today and that's okay. So there's two extremes here. One, some are unwilling to confront, right? Some of us were just like, listen, just you let them do them. It's none of my business. Live and let live. Who am I to judge, right? Some of us think that way. Then there's the other extreme. So some of us are on that extreme. Then there's the other extreme. Some confront unlovingly. Right? You've been out in traffic. Okay? Just one little horn would be fine, but... And it's like if your horn's playing a song, you might be one of those unloving, (laughs) confrontational people like me. I was, I remember uh, we were, it's always when I'm on vacation because I'm not in, in a hurry as much, but we were in St. Augustine, and then uh, last year we were in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and it happened to me two vacations in a row, so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm more relaxed, I don't go immediately when the light turns green, and someone just, every time, I'm like, it turned green .3 seconds ago. So, me being in the, maybe in the middle, non-confrontational, I went slow through that. (laughs) It may have gone yellow, I don't know. But some of us, we don't want to confront, we're unwilling. Some of us, maybe we confront unlovingly, right? Or maybe we've done both. Both. 
Either we take a stand or we stand up or we don't take a stand or we stand up in the wrong way or with the wrong thing. Some things we don't need to stand up for, right? Sometimes in our households, we make a big deal over nothing. We confront over these things and get in arguments. But there are times where our child maybe is making a bad decision where we got to stand up, right? We got to confront lovingly. Family member, an employee, and this one's a joke, but friends who have two cats are asking if you should if they should have a third. That's a time to confront. Say, "Listen, you don't need any cats because cats are from the evil one." You're laughing because you know it's true. But let's get back to the story. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he's there, and he's this evil king. He took these young people. He went over and took over uh, Jerusalem and uh, destroyed their religious items and all of these things. And even he was so evil that Saddam Hussein believed he was the incarnation of King Nebuchadnezzar. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know, King Nebuchadnezzar even started to turn toward God. You'll see it as you read through Daniel 1, 2, 3, and 4. You start seeing little hints like, oh, who knows, King Nebuchadnezzar. But pride would start to kick in. So God, this is what we're talking about today. So God gave him this crazy dream. Any dreamers out there? Anybody had a dream last night? I've had all sorts of dreams, and dreams mean different things, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but he had this crazy dream, and the dream rattles him so much that he brings people in to try to interpret the dream. It almost sounds kind of like the Pharaoh story again with Joseph, doesn't it? All these people come in, and one translation says that they wouldn't, or they couldn't, interpret the dreams, and some would say they wouldn't interpret. So the translation, just a word off. And so a lot of the scholars think that it, that it would be, they said they wouldn't interpret it because they, they didn't want the messenger to be killed because of the meaning behind this dream that God gives this prideful leader, Right? So it rattles him. And then he calls in Daniel. And the, the, uh, they renamed him Belteshazzar. Called him in. And Daniel's no longer a young boy at the time. Scholars say he could be between 40 and 50 years old at the time. They call him in. And Daniel is in a little bit of a predicament. But... It's not going to be on the screen because I want you to bring your Bible. So we're going to look physically at the Bible here. And I'm going to read part of what the king speaks to him. I'm going to read from uh, verse 10 to about 15 uh, in Daniel 4. So this is what it says. These are the visions I saw. This is the dream. While lying in my bed, I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. 
the tree grew large and strong, and its top torched the sky, touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant. And on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the vision I saw, while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground and the grass of the field. So here's this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has. And he tells this dream to Daniel because he figures Daniel will be able to interpret the dream. So imagine you're sitting there in front of the highest office in the land, and he tells you this very basic dream, right? That's why the other people, they, they could interpret it, but they wouldn't interpret it. Because they didn't want to tell the king what the dream meant, because it was not favorable to him. So what was Daniel going to do? There was a little bit of silence if you, read the, if you read the scripture. And you know what? Daniel couldn't really say, sorry, I can't, or I've retired from interpreting dreams. I've in, I retired from standing up. No, it was his moment. You know, I did a little bit of research on dreams. Have you ever researched dreams? Different types of dreams. When you, uh, when you remember your dreams, it's a certain stage of when you're sleeping. But falling really means a lot of times is there's going to be something or there's something in your life you can't control. Forgetting the exam or you've, have you ever had that dream? You're still, you're back in high school and there's an exam and you didn't study for it. I have that. Because guess what? What does it mean? You're not prepared for something. <laughs> Pastor Lindsay's like, that's not me. That's you, Pastor Landon. <laughs> or you're stuck somewhere in the dream. I've, I've had it where I'm, I'm in a room or I'm trying to get somewhere and you could just, the whole dream, you could never get to the place you're trying to go. It simply just means you're overwhelmed by something. If there's dirty water in the, in the dream, it means you're getting sick or there's something in your body. Chocolate. <laughs> that in your dream means you, you deserve to be rewarded. And in your dream, if you have to go to the bathroom, guess what? You have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Get up. It's time. I've got a good story for that, but I'll save it for another day. So Daniel's quiet for a moment, and he's about, he's getting ready. He's like, he's probably saying, Lord, help me interpret this the right way, but help me confront in a loving way as well. So let's look at Daniel 
4.22. So we'll see what he says. Your majesty. See how Daniel's still respectful? Look at this. Your majesty. You are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. And your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. The tree, this is you. This is the first part of the dream. The dream is about you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And here's this part of the ter interpretation. Verse, skip to verse 25. You will be driven away from pe your people. And you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass, so years, by for, you, uh, for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Verse 26, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Imagine you're there speaking to the king, the overseer, the guy who owns everything, and you're telling him this. That's why none of the other ones wanted to say it. It's not that they couldn't. They wouldn't. But Daniel says, okay, I've got God on my side. I'm going to stand up. Have you ever had to stand up for something? It's difficult, isn't it? Especially when it's the truth, and especially when the truth hurts. That's a hard one. But what I love is, once again, God is gracious and says, but if you, then this will happen. Even to King Nebuchadnezzar. You know what? Daniel could have stopped right there, couldn't he? He was like, okay, I did my stuff. Right? Drop the mic. Bye. He did what he went for. He interpreted the dream. That's all King Nebuchadnezzar wanted. But <laughs> Daniel had courage to stand up to the king. He had courage to risk everything. Do we have courage to stand up? I'm not talking about stand up for everything. When it really counts, when it's something important, when it's something that's going to change a generation, when it's something that's going to change your family tree, when it's something that's going to change your church, when it's something that's going to change your job or your whatever, do we have the courage, even if we don't like confrontation, do we have the courage to confront, to stand up, to risk it all? And in Daniel's case, he's probably going to risk his life. Right? The king would just be like, okay, lions, throw them in the air, throw them in the fire. I think, I think at this point, King Nebuchadnezzar understands that you're not going to be throwing Daniel and his buddies in the, in the fire anymore. You know, he didn't stand up to the king because he was arrogant or he's a know-it-all. Right? Or that he was proud, or he was like, well, I'm better. No, he stood up to the king because he loved the king. 
and he wanted him to know something that was very important and that God was speaking to Daniel through this, or to King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel through this dream. And he knew how important it was. Imagine if God speaks to us through dreams. Isn't it important? Right? Imagine. Daniel 4.27. So we're working our way down through here. This is what we read in the beginning. Look, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. He's not yelling at him. He's not throwing the Bible at him or standing on the street side with the sign, you're going to hell if you don't repent, you're, you know, like I told you guys a couple weeks ago. No, no, he says, please accept my advice. You know, someone talking that way, you know that they love that person. It doesn't mean that, that Daniel accepts everything King Nebuchadnezzar has done. It doesn't mean that they agree on everything. I think in our world, don't you notice that the enemy wants to divide and conquer? Well, they're Republican. Well, they're Democrat. And we, I, we can't have a conversation. Wrong. Wrong. No. We, we can have a conversation. I don't, need to, I don't need to accept everything that David believes to be his brother in Christ. We can be brothers in Christ just because. We don't need to agree with everything each other we do. Doesn't mean we have to do what that person's doing. Or say it's good, it's not sin even, right? But the enemy wants to divide and conquer, and he's hoping that a political thing will do it. He's hoping a war will do it. He's hoping whoever's in the White House will do it. But as Christians, we won't stand for it. We'll stand up for the right things at the right time for the right reasons. Amen? Stop sinning <laughs> and do what is right. Have you ever had to like talk to someone like that before? Maybe your kids, right? Stop sinning. Do what's right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. To the poor. And look at this. Perhaps. Everybody say perhaps. We got Daniel 4.27 up. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Perhaps. Maybe. And I think in moments like this when we're going to stand up to something or someone, we need to be prayerful in that confrontation. Amen? So how do we do this? Well, I love what Galatians 6.1 6, says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, Galatians 6.1, Dear brothers and sisters, if any, if, sorry, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Amen? Gently, humbly, isn't this God's way? And be careful, everybody say careful. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. 
So here's a few things that you'll want to write down today. Two simple prayers. Number one, two simple prayers. God, help me confront with the goal of restoration. We're not confronting people just because I'm right and they're wrong. If it's that, you're probably not going to confront the person. It's gently, humbly. The goal is to restore the person. The goal is not to be right because that would make you wrong. The goal of helping others is to be right with God. That's what's right. And so when I go to a brother or sister, and then also people, people want to confront everybody, right? On Facebook, we're confronting people we don't even know, right? Right? Keyboard heroes or whatever they call them. I'm going I'm to put them in their place. You don't even know them. And they're going to go on there and see, oh, they, they put scripture on there and they're confronting me. And the approach really matters, doesn't it? You're like, Pastor Landon, you're talking about confronting people today? I don't confront anybody. Well, today's your day. No. <laughs> this one isn't popular. The approach matters, doesn't it? You know, I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, I was working at a camp. It's called Circle Square Ranch, and I was the wrangler. That was my official position. What does that mean? I wrangle horses and people. Well, I was, my boss, his name was Greg Swim. Actually, Pastor Lindsay's dad was my boss. And so we get to the middle of the summer, and Greg comes over to me, puts his arm around me. He's like, hey, Lanny. That's my nickname. Lanny. Yes, sir. And we had, it was just me and Greg, and then all of these teenage girls were on staff. Like, like five or six of them. 16, 17, 18 years old, all on staff. He's like, you're working these girls too hard. Remember, they're here to volunteer. <laughs> He didn't yell at me. He was careful. He was gentle. And he wasn't the type of guy to correct much. He'd just kind of live it, and you'd watch him, and you'd do what he's doing. But guess what? When he said something, it was important. Some of us say stuff all the time, and it's never important. But when it, someone like that who comes along and says, listen, you're working the girls too hard. Let them have fun. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and now I have way too much fun. <laughs> but guess what? He cared enough for me, and he cared enough for those girls to come and speak to me in love. Isn't that great? Do we care for other people that way? Enough to say, my approach matters when I go to speak to them, and I'm going to do it, what, gently? And humbly, you know, and my wife has done the same, you know, and I know it's important to her, whatever it might be that she may confront me with, but normally, probably 99.999999% of the time, gentle and humble. And guess what? I've learned, I've grown 
from people who are who love me. And guess what? The difference in can be it's you have a relationship with that person. How can we confront people we don't have a relationship with? How am I going to confront somebody in traffic? Right? Or the person, what really gets me is when you're in a line somewhere and people go in front of you. I'm just like, I'm going to stand up. No, that guy looks a lot taller than me. You go for it, man. You were there first, sure. Whatever you want. But it's a relationship. The goal of that confrontation is to restore, is to bring restoration. And the second prayer, and this is the last one, God, help me confront with caution. Everybody say caution. You ever see the caution light? I remember my stepmom, before she passed away, we'd be driving down the road, and it would be, the light would go from green to Yellow, yeah, amber, yellow. I don't know what color it is. And guess what she would say? Yellow means hurry. <laughs> That's not what it means. It's caution. It means to wait a second. Something is about to change. There's going to be a red light come up soon, and if there's a police officer or another car coming, you could be in danger. So God, help me confront with caution. Sometimes it's just something you need to learn. Sometimes it is something that you need to speak to somebody about. Just like in the case of Daniel. Daniel cared so much about the king. He's like, hey, guess what, guy? This dream is about you. Your tree is about to be toppled over, and you're about to go away for a while. However, there's some grace that God will have for you. Perhaps he didn't, he didn't take up the root system. Perhaps if you follow the ways of the Lord, your kingdom can be restored. Maybe some of us need to hear that today about our marriages or relationships with our children or people at work or people we haven't called for a long time. Maybe today's your day. Maybe today is Restoration Day. And maybe there's so much water under the bridge that you don't have to worry about confronting them. You just have to love them. So God, help me confront with caution. Look what the rest of Galatians 6, 1 says. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I think a lot of times when we're confronting, we, we come at a posture of, I'm better, I'm above, I don't sin as much as they do, their sin looks worse than mine. That's not the way to do it, because look what it says in Matthew 7, 7, 5. This is Jesus. Look how confrontational this is. You hypocrite. First take the plank. First take the two by four, the four by four, pressure treated, out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
when we pray, we pray, God, help me be cautious in this situation. Take the plank out of my own eye so I can help my brother, sister, take the speck out of their eye. Because isn't it easy? Because we got this plank, imagine, right? And our other eyes look like, oh, you got a little speck right there. But how in the world can you get close enough to that person with the plank between you? God, take that plank from me. We'll stand before we go today. Here's my challenge. Don't you like to be challenged at church? Here's my challenge for the church today. Be open for that moment of correction, that moment of confrontation. Because a lot of times when, we, when someone comes to correct or confront, we put, the, we put the daggers out. We put the wall up, right? Oh, no, wait, hold, wait, hold. And be open to confront people you love in the godly way. Look what it says in Daniel 4, 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Daniel did what was right. Listen, you're going to find out later more about King Nebuchadnezzar, but in that moment, Daniel did what was right, and guess what he did? He trusted God with the results. Church, I feel like we're doing what's right, and then we keep trying to be God in that situation. We do what's right, and we walk away and say, okay, God's going to take care of the results. Amen? I used to do that when I preached. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I did what I was called to do at that church. Let them go home. Let them do their thing. And I'll trust God for the results of the message or the word or the prayer right? Because I'm just me. And God is God. And He's on the throne. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, help us to stand up. Help, help us to prayerfully consider if we need to speak to somebody. It may be a challenge, but Lord, I know that you're calling us in that moment at, for, with a goal of restoration in them. And Lord, help us to confront with caution that we may not step in over our heads and fall into the same temptation. Lord, that we would take the help, allow you to take the plank out of our own eye so that we can help restore our brother or sister who has the speck of sawdust in their eye. Lord, I know you're challenging us today to stand out, to stand firm to stand up. So Lord, I pray today we would be challenged in this to be open, to be corrected and be open to correct in a loving and godly way, Lord. Lord, give us hope in this. That you've given us words. You've given us 
interpretations to dreams. You've given us prophetic words. You've given us teachings. And Lord, let us be like clay in your hands, that you would mold us into who you called us to be. The church that speaks the good news in love, in gentleness, that we would do it carefully, we do it humbly. In Jesus' name. And the church said, we celebrate it today because of who God is. Amen.